Thank you for tuning in to the Educational Leadership Podcast. We are meeting with educational leaders from around the great state of Texas. Hear their stories and gain insights into educational leadership. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining the Educational Leadership Podcast. We have another podcast episode today. We have two special guests, but before we dive into the podcast, I'd love to introduce my co-host, Corinne French. Hi, Gary. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us today. Very special guests, um, my friends, Texas friends of Texas Public Schools, Scott and Leslie Milder. Hello, Corinne. Thanks for having us. Yeah, glad to be here. Can't wait to get started. Scott, Leslie, for those of the for those that are listening in, could you share a little bit about your background? Um, sure. Well, um, we are kind of an interesting mix. Um, I my background is um, in the public schools. I mean, I'm a product of the public school system, uh, proud public school teacher. And Scott and I have three public school kids. Um, and I was teaching high school and Scott was the district's public information officer. And uh, we actually met in the high school teacher's lounge. And um, so over the years, we kind of meshed our two backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, public ed has such an image problem right now. Um, and I got so fed up, um, you know, working all day long and, and, you know, working on behalf of kids and seeing them do all these amazing things and step up to all the new challenges in education. And then come home to, you know, news reports that are just trashing the job that's being done in our public schools. And so that was when we kind of decided to take his communications background and my public ed background and merge them together and created Friends of Texas Public Schools to try to get out some of the good stuff um, about our public school system. Yeah, that's exactly what we did, Gary, uh, Corinne, uh, and uh, uh, to answer one of your one of your basic questions, I guess, purpose of the podcast is how how uh, how school leaders can be be even better and more effective leaders than they already are, and and what I would say and I do say to every school leader I come in contact with is that a an effective school leader in today's environment has got to be a good communicator. They've got to be a strong communicator and they've got to be a strong advocate and ambassador for the profession and institution of public education. I was reading over your mission statement again today, and I absolutely love this phrase. Um, well, I'm going to just read the mission statement, actually, just so our, our guests can know this. Your mission um, for Friends of Texas Public Schools to facilitate respectful conversations about Texas public schools through honest communication, productive dialogue, and relentless encouragement. <laughs> I mean, I am a, I feel like I am a constant encourager. I feel like that's the way. And so like your mission of wanting to share the positive things that are happening, relentless encouragement, what does that mean? Like, how did you come to that, to that, that sentence? Well, well, for decades, multiple decades, educators have been relentlessly discouraged by the uh, tone of the conversation around public ed and media and in politics. Everything is always about what's wrong with our public schools and never uh, the focus is rarely on all of the many thousands and millions of things that just quietly work exactly like they're supposed to, right? And so um, we just, uh, what we've noticed over the years is that, uh, um, you know, when, when uh, when you get, when when people receive that kind of criticism uh, for that long and that consistent over a long period of time, they've just become a demoralized mm-hmm. population or a demoralized profession in this case. And 
And, um, and we realized that just through our own marriage and, you know, the lens I look through, through public relations and communications, looking at my own wife, who was just frustrated uh, with the uh, um, disrespectful tone towards educators mm -hmm. who are doing nothing but trying to do their very best for kids. Yeah, and you won't find a leadership book on the planet that tells you the, that the way to make people work harder and achieve more is to constantly beat them down and tell them what a terrible job they're doing. Right. Yet that seems to be the tone of the conversation yeah. in regards mm -hmm. to our educators in Texas. And so that relentless encouragement yeah. part was a big deal to us because yeah. um, we just felt like there needed to be an advocacy group out there who was, you yeah. know, building our building our educators up. And really, and, and, and during this old COVID thing, you know, we've seen the necessity of that in this last yeah. school year and the challenges that Corinne. they've met. Yeah, Corinne, and just last week, I mean, they, I mean, it, it, it's continuing. It's not relenting. Just last week, one of our one of our most prominent legislators called teachers morally bankrupt. Mm. Really, really, and, and the irony of a legislator, right, accusing teachers who are anything but morally bankrupt of being morally bankrupt is uh, just. It, it just astounds me. Well, I think that's why it's so important we ha keep having these conversations. Last night I was in a board meeting. We were pointing at someone to our board. Um, for those of you not don't know, I'm the president of the board in my district, Valley View ISD. And one of our board members mentioned, you know, our teachers, what the bef their primary focus is first to teach, but sometimes before they can teach, they have to take care of basic needs. Yes. When we think of basic needs, I think the people who are criticizing public education have forgotten. Our, some of our children in Texas are, are, they are the ones that are banked up with food. They have needs that go way beyond the classroom that our teachers are taking care of. Uh, so that, I didn't know that actually, Scott. I'm glad I didn't know that. I might have, I might not have finished my paper last week for SMU if I'd have known that because I would have been so upset, but that doesn't yeah. shock me. No, yeah. it's, it's, tra it's tragic and unfortunate. It, it is unfortunate. And, you know, it, it's unfortunate that that people are put into certain categories as well, like all educators, all teachers, all, because I'm sure just like all any, I'm sorry. All legislators. All legislators. It, and there's, there's bad apples in every situation. And then, mm -hmm. so, I mean, whether you're talking about the police, whether you're talking about teachers, whether you're talking about legislators, there's, I mean, nobody's perfect. I think we can all agree on that. Now with these issues that come up and, so there's there's even categories around some people are for publication public education and some people are not for public education. I'm just uh, uh, curious, the issues against public education are those being ad ad addressed or those and I, I know I'm probably putting you on the spot a little bit. Are those are those being uh, addressed or are those kind of being ignored and focused only on the positive? No, you know I. I I'm, I'm going to I'm going to give people the benefit of the doubt because I, I think most people uh, have, have good intent and uh, and and speak from the heart um, and, and want the best for kids. And so I think I think there's just it's pervasive misinformation about public education because uh, the media reports and it's the nature of news. It's not really their fault either. But the nature of news is to report the anomaly of the day, the one thing that doesn't fit. We have eight hundred thousand people working in our public schools. Somewhere in tech, in a Texas public school, one of those eight hundred thousand makes a mistake. That make that's the headline. 
right? Or maybe one school camp or one campus has, you know, uh, has, has a failing rating or something. Right. And that makes the headline. And, uh, the rea- and, and so, but the norm isn't news. And the norm is, is, is pretty astounding success across, across the board in Texas over the last, over the last several decades. So I don't know if that answers your question. It, it, it does. And I completely agree. I mean, it, it, I mean, that's the, that's the business of the news, right? Where they, they try to find some odd situation, highlight it, get viewers, that sort of thing, but it, it paints a bad uh, picture of, of education as a whole. And it, education makes such a big impact in the community as well. It's just, it's so much bigger than I, than I think a lot of people realize. Yeah, it's, it's, you can't just boil it down to the things that our state wants to measure on a bubble sheet. You know, it's, it's not just the things that are on that state mandated test that our public schools are meeting. And, and Corinne, you said that earlier, you know, there, there are basic needs that our public schools meet for the children in their communities every single day that you really can't measure. And so I think those things tend to be kind of glossed over um, when really for most of our kids in Texas, I mean, that's where the rubber meets the road. You know, you can't learn if you're hungry. You can't learn if, you know, there's been something crazy happening at home. Um, yeah. And so our public school educators are addressing some of the most basic needs in our children every day first, and then we get to that content. But, yeah. you know, it's the one thing that went wrong in that district that day. It's never the thousands of things that just quietly work Mm -hmm. in our public school system exactly as they're designed to do. And so that's what we wanted to do is kind of highlight, you know, a lot of those successes and try to get some attention on. Educators are at a disadvantage too, public school educators specifically, because they're, they're brought up to teach. They come through the uh, teaching colleges across, you know, across Texas and across the nation and they enter the classroom, um, mostly prepared to teach. Uh, but they don't get a lesson in the importance of serving as an ambassador and telling their story and, and, and communication and marketing. And there's a lot of competition out there. There's some fierce, fierce competition with well-funded marketing campaigns working against them. Public school educators in our, in our independent school districts have never had, uh, prior, prior to the last you know, few years over the last decade, have never had to um, persuade people to put their kids in their <laughs> schools. It was just what happened. And so the kids kept coming and the funding came with them. And, and so now, um, now educators have to, I mean, they, they really do have to be better communicators and learn not only how to tell their story, but maybe more importantly, why that's so important, right? Well, and that, that's something that, you know, it's, it's, it's a board member's duty also because yeah. I don't have to advocate for my job at the University of North Texas on a daily basis. I do good work. The good work keeps the program. You know, it's like, who has, who else has to advocate for their job like this? Right. It's, mm-hmm. it's insane. Um, so, what's that? Police officers of late. Well, well, yeah. Um, so one, yeah. one thing I'm wondering, I mean, so I, right after COVID happened, um, there's so many cute memes, you know, like who's, who's liking there's public school teachers now, you know, there were some cute things that came out and, and that was riding that wave, you know, pub, you know, keep, keep saying that uh, I don't, I think it was just really important for us to, to, to ride this wave of like, look, you do really like having your kids at home all day long. Um, but anyway, 94% of the children in the state are in public education. So that's 5.4, 5.5 million children. Do you think this is gonna, this COVID situation is gonna help people to finally realize 
the superheroes that our teachers are? To a degree, I think it has. Um, but just like everything, everything's kind of short lived. Mm -hmm. And so it's not a it's not a one and done message. Mm -hmm. You can't just shout from the rooftops and say, hey, great things are happening in our public schools and then leave it at that. It's got to be a consistent, everlasting message. Right. We got to continue to drive it home every single day because all the messages out there who are, that are undermining, whether whether by design or not, that are undermining public confidence in our public schools, they are there. And and, and you know, the old formula, you know, in order to make up for a negative message out there, you've got to have 10 positive messages. Right. Uh, just because uh, negative negative resonates. People are natural. I mean, it's natural for people to want to gossip and, uh, you know, you know, um, see what you know, sorrow and drama goes on in other people's lives to make themselves feel better about what's in their own lives, right? And so it's really important to keep things positive and just continue to shout from the rooftops and let people know that their children and tax dollars are in good hands. And the most credible messengers in education are not the superintendent and school board, unfortunately. It's, it's, it's the educators in the classrooms. It's the, it's, the, it's the teacher's aides in the classrooms. It's the counselors. It's the staff on campus who are connected to all the different members of the community. They have a much broader and deeper reach into the community than any one school board member or any superintendent actually has. Scott and Leslie, what's the best way uh, to have two-way communication with, so you, let's say you have, um, you're in a situation where, you, where there's a portion of the communi community that feels um, something negative about public education obviously there's only so many, and I mean, I know we talked about this a little bit earlier, these uh, um, leaders in education, they're very busy. And, and there's, I mean, if you look at the ratio of number of people in the community versus the number of educators, their schedules fill up quickly, right? So mm -hmm. what's, a, what's a great way to have that two-way communication uh, with the community between the school district? And then maybe there, there is a group of people that are not very positive about public education. What's the best way to, to have that dialogue, if you will? Well, that kind of goes back, I think, to what Scott was saying earlier about, you know, your your frontline staff, right? You're in making sure that everybody in a district understands that role of communicating. And honestly, with 800,000 people, almost 800,000 people who go to work for the public school system every day, if you think about you know, when an issue arises and you need people in the community, you know, that two-way communication, that's an army of people out there who are messengers. communicating, yeah, yeah and, and are messengers. It's an army of messengers. And honestly, I mean, when you have that many people in public ed, it's, it's one conversation at a time. You know, when people, like you're talking about, when you have that Facebook group in the community that's not positive toward public ed, <laughs> And you have people in our schools who, who will, you know, step, who are willing to step into those conversations and have some of those, you yeah, know, uncomfortable sure. conversations. Yeah. Gary, you know, uh, so uh, this was early in our marriage, but Leslie used to be an offender. Oh, yeah. And here's the thing. And back then it was 600,000 people working in our schools, right? But, but inevitably, the 600,000 people who work in the schools come home and they vent to their spouse or significant other or family member or best friend or whoever it is about the one thing that kind of irritated them that day, or, you know, they just want, they need, they need to, you know, they need to vent a little bit. And so they, so they don't share what's positive because it's human nature um, to want to, you know, to want to commiserate a little bit, or maybe, uh, you know, just, uh, just, you know, let it blow off a little steam. And so 
we met with a consultant years ago who 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 kind of turned this around for us. He said, uh, he said, you know, what you're doing is awesome. He said, he said, but you're really not going to make a lot of progress towards your goal at restoring pride and faith in the public school system until you get your house in order. Mm-hmm. And what he was talking about, he was talking about Leslie coming home and telling me about the one thing that went wrong, <laughs> the one thing that irritated, not her specifically, but the one thing that irritated her that day, maybe the assistant principal, you know, who knows what it was. But if you have 600,000 people coming home and sharing a negative message, you're never going to get out from under that. And so the first step he said was awareness, helping educators understand the power of their words, just in their own small circles and their family and friends circles. And so if you had at the time 600 now 800,000 people coming home every day plus what 7,000 school board members i don't know okay. i'm like that right yeah. right mm-hmm. yeah plus those and coming home every day and saying something like gosh you know uh a uh, tough tough day but let me tell you about this one kid or let me tell you about let me tell you about you know let me tell you about Laura Leslie's got a great story about a young lady um who she was trying to educate and and uh, she wasn't she wasn't the easiest to educate. She was maybe affiliated, allegedly affiliated with a local uh, inst- local um, gang. Gang, yeah. yeah, a local gang. And and she she lived with she lived alone with her baby sister, and and uh, her mother was in prison for trafficking and drugs or something. And 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 Leslie tells me this story. She said, "How am I supposed to get her to think think world geography or history is important for an hour when she doesn't know where her next meal is coming from?" Right. And not only her next meal, but she felt responsible for feeding her baby sister. And so it's, it's just so important that that educators, you know, carry that torch and 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 kind of become a bit outraged when they hear criticism over over some of the over some of the shallower measurements of public ed and and let people know, remind people what public ed is really all about leveling that playing field and providing providing for some of the most basic needs for some of these kids. I mean, some kids, the only place they eat is at school Monday through Friday. And then the cafeteria ladies, they sneak, uh, maybe they don't even sneak them necessarily, but they uh, they send home bags of food, mm-hmm. bags yeah, of leftovers, so they have something to eat over the weekend. So, you know, God, God bless our educators and cafeteria people, food service people, transportation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's really hard. You see a lot and it's hard to it's hard not to want to vent because you, your heart is so connected to it and, and, you, and you and you can't tell everyone else some of these stories that are so so private you know we have to be careful with that information but it is hard um i like how you just threw her and it was like it was her <laughs> but thanks for taking that leslie thanks for thanks for being vulnerable with that and starting this organization so i know we're close to running out of time but i what could would you tell people how just the average person could get involved in what you're all what you're all doing well, maybe then you wanted yeah. that. Well, okay. All right. Well, first of all, they then go check out our website, just kind of familiarize themselves with with what we're doing, how long we've been doing it, where we're where we're doing it. I'll tell you one thing: uh, we have a we have a we have a network, and school districts are able to participate um, uh, through our friends network, and we'd love to encourage more more school districts get involved in our organization. Um, and if and if people people want to volunteer, just get involved and, and spread the word. Um, we do a lot of the research about the great things happening in our public schools so that you don't have to, um, because there's not a lot of data out there about how our Texas public schools are performing overall, or if it is, it's just not readily available or it's, or it's not, um, um, yeah, it's not broken down for, you know, for, for the regular citizen who doesn't read data every day. And so, so we do things like help people understand that, 
that Texas Public Schools have the highest graduation rates in America. And they can find that data on our website and it's sourced. The critics who say otherwise don't have sources for their data. We say we're dropout factories and such. It's just not 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 a fact. But uh, but share that we have we have some PDF flyers on our website that they can pull up and print, uh, talking about some of the great things happening. We do poster campaigns every year. Um, if they really want to get involved and volunteer, they can shoot us an email through our website. And then of course follow us on social media. We um, friends of Texas Public Schools is on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, and we're on we're on all the all the all the major platforms. So uh, yeah. We'd uh, we'd love we'd love to love to welcome anyone who mm -hmm. wants to wants to help us spread the spread the good word about our public schools. Very good, thank you. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Well, before I close out, uh, Corinne, anything you'd like to add before before we wrap up? Yes. Um, what's your big ask this year coming out of COVID? What's your big ask for board members, teachers, and we kind of shared that a little bit, but go ahead and tell us a big ask, a big dream that you have. For me. It's a big ask I've been asking a long time is to be bold and be courageous in defense of the honor of those who work in our public schools. Mm -hmm. that. Yeah, absolutely. Be willing to step into hard conversations and be a champion and yep. an advocate for your local public schools and the people who work in them. That's beautiful. Well, Scott, Leslie, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Um, I learned a lot. Hopefully the listeners learned a lot. Have the conversation. Um, have open dialogue. D don't, don't judge people. Don't put people in categories. Um, and be, be willing to listen as, as, well, as, as well as talk. Um, so I, I really appreciate the message today, Scott and Leslie. And before we close out, I'll uh, give a shout out to our sponsor, Ideal Impact. Ideal Impact provides funding for school districts, have provided funding to over 145 school districts, uh, provided over a billion dollars. And so uh, you can actually go to the website schooldistrictfunding.com. There's a video message on how they can get funding for your district in 30 days. Um, so thank you for our sponsor, Ideal Impact. And thank you, um, Scott and Leslie, for being on the podcast. And thank you for Corinne. Thank you, Corinne, for hosting the podcast. And stay tuned for a future episode of the Educational Leadership Podcast.